Welcome to Life Beat, Right to Life of Michigan's bi-weekly podcast going in-depth on pro-life news and issues. I'm your host, Chris Gast, RLM's Director of Communication and Education. Happy Friday, everyone. Our feature today is the 2015 abortion statistics that were just released, but first let's go over the big stories from the last two weeks. On May 16th, the U.S. Supreme Court reached an 8-0 decision in Zubik v. Burwell. Several organizations, including notably the Little Sisters of the Poor, sued the Obama administration over the Department of Health and Human Services contraceptive mandate. That's frequently referred just as the HHS mandate. This court case was a win for the Little Sisters of the Poor, as well as all nonprofits like Right to Life of Michigan. The HHS mandate was a dictate by the Obama administration requiring employers to cover contraceptives and sterilizations as preventative health services. Now, the Obamacare law requires all all preventative services to be covered by health insurance plans for free. I think it's important to note that the HHS mandate was not actually part of the Obamacare law. It was an administrative decree that was decided and incorporated into the law. Congress never passed this mandate. Now, the source of these objections for many organizations, including Right to Life of Michigan and companies like Hobby Lobby, are that a few of the contraceptive options required to be covered can potentially cause abortions, specifically the common forms of emergency contraception. Now, the case was reported in the media largely as a punt because the decision sent the case back to the lower lower courts to reach some kind of accommodation to make sure that the organizations, including the Little Sisters, didn't have their conscience rights violated. But really, it was a temporary victory because, in the meantime, the Obama administration can't levy any fines against these organizations, and the courts were in fact ordered to reach an accommodation that was acceptable to the organizations. Right to Life of Michigan actually sued in court against the HHS mandate, but our case was thrown out and essentially we lost it. Thanks to this ruling now, Right to Life of Michigan won't be fined for objecting to providing these contraceptives that may cause abortions. And of course, Right to Life Michigan takes no position on true contraceptives, but it's wrong to force an organization dedicated to ending abortion to purchase insurance plans that include drugs that potentially can cause abortions. And of course, um, this is a familiar case to many people because of the earlier Hobby Lobby decision by the Supreme Court. And that case was a little bit different from this one because Hobby Lobby was a closely, or is a closely held corporation whereas the Little Sisters of the Poor and groups like Larry to Life of Michigan are nonprofit organizations. Now, with Hobby Lobby, that decision was based on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and it found that the Obama administration had not taken the least restrictive means against Hobby Lobby, therefore Obama administration lost. Now, the decision in Zubik was different because of the death of Antonin Scalia. It really looked like it was probably going to be a 4-4 tie, in which case, instead of setting a precedent, 
the previous court case, which would be in this case, you know, the circuit court, that decision would have been the one that remains in effect. And so it, the problem is across the country, you have all these circuit courts were reaching different decisions. And so had the court simply had a 4-4 tie, then the HHS mandate would be in effect in, say, Maryland, but not in Michigan or maybe in California. And so the Supreme Court just decided, thankfully, with an 8-0 decision that the lower court just needs to fix this problem. And the real reason it was a problem and why this is really an interesting case is because throughout the process, the Obama administration kept saying that, well, there's no other way that we can accommodate the conscience rights of these organizations. And if you look at the text of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, they're required to take the least restrictive means. And every time it came to court and a different iteration of that HHS mandate, they said, well, this is the most we can accommodate. This is the most we can accommodate over and over and over and over. And finally, the Supreme Court basically just called them on their bluff and said, no, this isn't the most accommodating you can be. Now be more accommodating. Remains to be seen exactly how that will look based on what the lower courts decide. So we'll see. Another big headline, on May 25th, the Michigan Senate voted 26 to 11 to approve the Coercive Abortion Prevention Act, also called CAPA. The bills that make up CAPA now go to Governor Snyder's desk. CAPA is common sense legislation that will protect a woman from being coerced into an abortion against her will. Evidence, testimonies, studies, they all show that this coercion is happening frequently to women facing crisis pregnancies. And yes, of course, this is happening in Michigan. So the Senate vote is hopefully the second-to-last stop in a very, very long journey. Uh, it's been a decade for this piece of legislation. Part of it even became law in 2012. It's part of the Pro-Life Omnibus Act, but unfortunately the other half wasn't put in, and so what we have now on the books can't be enforced. So it's time for Michigan to finally address the serious problem. Now what I find really troubling about this is how the abortion industry will just deny that abortion coercion happens. I've heard it said a couple times in the last few days that the CAPA legislation is a solution in search of a problem. Well, we know the problem exists. We know it from studies. We know it from first-hand accounts, from the women who go into the abortion clinics. The abortion industry has to know about this. They see all these women on the inside... These women are being dragged in, we hear, from boyfriends, being dragged in by their mothers, by their parents. They don't want to be there in many cases. And are these women receiving adequate counseling on the inside? Are they being told that they don't have to be there? Is the abortion industry making an effort to make sure that they know that if they want to keep the child, that's what they should do? Well, we're not seeing anything from the abortion industry about it. All we're seeing is denials that it happens. And so if they're going to refuse to address this problem, then we're going to do something about it. This next news story is sad, and mostly because of how the news was reported. The news headline that went out everywhere was that seven people at a Planned Parenthood in Sarasota, Florida, were hospitalized after being exposed to an unknown substance. Now, I first saw this story on social media and WXYZ in Detroit. This was a news story that broke 
extremely quickly. It turns out, though, that the implication that a terrorist attack or pro-lifers must be involved um, was completely false. And one of the problems with social media and how fast news breaks is everyone has an opinion before any of the facts are known. It turns out that the source of this panic at the Planned Parenthood in Sarasota was spilled baby food and cleaning supplies. So the real source of this panic was a janitor who must have left bleach or some other cleaning supply out near an air vent, causing a few people in the office to get lightheaded. And the baby food must have figured in the story, as it's been reported, that during the course of the evacuation, some kind of powdered baby formula was spilled on the floor, maybe leading people to suspect that it was some kind of anthrax attack or something. Now, you could have a little fun at Planned Parenthood's expense on this, um, but, you know, it's not funny when anyone goes to a hospital or when anyone thinks that they're experiencing some kind of terrorist attack. But the real problem with this story was how fast it was reported without any facts. Why is WXYZ on Twitter reporting a what turns out to be a janitorial accident in Sarasota, Florida to Planned Parenthood? This isn't breaking news. It's unfortunate that so many in the media thought that this had the potential of being a terrorist attack when, in fact, it was just a janitorial accident. And this isn't an isolated case. This often happens, that when something bad happens at an abortion clinic, the assumption is that it must be pro-lifers. Often it's something innocuous or something unrelated. And so I think it's really important that we don't jump to conclusions when we see headlines. We wait for the facts to come in, and then we do the reporting. Unfortunately, that may be too much to ask of our media, especially when you consider the fact that they refer to people who support abortion as pro-choice, but they don't use the preferred term we like to use, pro-life, when it comes to reporting stories. Okay, now let's get into today's feature. This is really good news. Michigan's long-term abortion decrease resumed in 2015. This is the headline that we used. On May 18th, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services released their annual report on abortions that occurred in Michigan. The basic numbers are that abortions decreased 1.7% in 2015. This is down 44.7% from their high in 1987, almost half. And a couple other important points, uh, abortions performed on minors decreased 11.2%, and that's down 78.7% since their high in 1990. And there were overall a total of 27,151 induced abortions reported in Michigan in 2015. This is really good news because in the last two years, abortion numbers increased in Michigan, and they were somewhat significant increases. Now, this wasn't something that was completely unexpected. As we've suspected, um, for many years, several abortion clinics in Michigan, some of the worst ones, have not been reporting their abortion numbers. We know for a fact that that's the case in Muskegon. If you remember a few years ago, the abortion clinic in Muskegon was closed when uh, Fire Marshal saw the horrid, disgusting conditions in it that wasn't fit for someone to have in their own house, let alone a clinic where surgery is taking place. We knew that this dirty clinic was open. We knew that abortions were happening there. 
but the state report said for a couple of years there that no abortions were occurring in Muskegon. And so we suspect that that was the case, not just in Muskegon, but a couple other clinics, particularly on the east side of the state in the Flint and Detroit areas. There are a couple other interesting numbers that I want to go over. One important one was, uh, if you remember, in Michigan's Abortion Insurance Opt-Out Act in 2013, that's where we went around and collected all those petition signatures to override a governor who didn't want to sign our legislation to prevent us from paying for abortion through Obamacare insurance plans. Now, as part of the fight over this legislation, abortion supporters claimed that the bill that we passed would prevent women from using insurance to pay for abortions. They also made a claim that, of course, we knew wasn't true, that this would somehow prevent women who had miscarriages from having their insurance pay for their treatment, which obviously isn't the case. So, now that it's been a few years since the Opt-Out Act went into effect, let's look at the actual numbers. Did their claim hold any water? In 2012, there were 739 abortions in Michigan that were paid for by health insurance, a very tiny proportion. In 2015, there were 1,538 paid for by health insurance, more than double the number. Still a small proportion, but instead of preventing women from using insurance to pay for abortions, more than twice as many women actually use their insurance to pay for abortions. So once again, whenever we have a pro-life bill that comes up in the legislature, Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, will come out with all sorts of outlandish claims and doomsday scenarios. These never happen. In this case, they were dead wrong. A couple other numbers to look at. In 2015, the abortion rates declined as well as the abortion ratios, meaning a higher percentage of women chose life for their children. That's important because sometimes when you tell someone that abortions are declining in Michigan, they will say that's only because women are moving out of the state. That's not the case here. We know that a higher proportion of women decided they weren't going to have abortions. Another significant number was that the numbers for Michigan residents and out-of-state residents both declined. In Michigan, we track abortions on Michigan residents and also women who come from other states to have their abortions. Recently, the numbers for women coming out of state has increased somewhat dramatically, particularly from Ohio and Indiana, as there were several clinics that have closed recently in northern Indiana and in the Toledo area. So this 2015 report shows that the recent surge in women traveling to Michigan to have their abortions is over, hopefully. The average age of women who had abortions continued its long-term increase as the teen and minor abortions continue to decrease dramatically, the average age of women who have abortions continues to increase, particularly over 30. You also saw a little change in the number of repeat abortions in 2015. These are women who, when going into the clinic, are having their second or more abortion. In fact, the repeat abortion rate in Michigan has hovered around 50%, and in 2015 it was 50.1%. Half of women going into that abortion clinic are having their second abortion. And in an even more stunning statistic, 
almost a quarter of those women are having their third abortion or more. In 2015, 24.8% of women in Michigan who had abortions were having their third abortion or more. All right, that's all we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening in to our first ever podcast. Join us again in two weeks where we'll be talking about post-abortion syndrome, what it is and what the studies show. Have a good weekend and thanks for listening in.